All he did was almost record double-digit sacks. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent. Now Willis taking a shot for the end zone, and it's caught! First of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may be gone by the time they pick it to the It is first draft. We are back. In our normal time, it is Monday. It is the day after conference championship weekend. I am Field Yates back after a one-week hiatus. And you know who I am joined by. The two men synonymous with ESPN's NFL draft coverage, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. We turn right from conference championship week to senior bowl week. Mel, I'll start with you. How are you, my friend? Doing great, Field. Congratulations. Hopefully the baby's doing great, Field, and uh, we're excited. I mean, it's Senior Bowl week, and I think what you have to also realize with Senior Bowl week is that, you know, coaches seeing players for the first time, really. Scouts see them forever. Coaches see them for the first time. That's that tug-of-war between scouts and coaches that takes place. And, and quarterbacks, what do we really glean from this week? Does it really help you in the evaluation process? History tells you it really doesn't. So I think when you look at these quarterbacks, be very careful. Uh, look at it as a part of the process. Uh, but don't look like, act like you've never seen these guys before. And I think Kenny Pickett, uh, certainly from Pitt, and certainly you think about a guy like uh, Sam Howell from North Carolina and the quarterbacks that are there. Matt Corral is the only one will not be of the top five from Ole Miss. But I think it's going to be a really uh, interesting week to see. When we're talking next week, what are the opinions of these quarterbacks and how maybe did they change from what they are right now? And Todd yeah, McShane, who I believe is going to be our boots on the ground this week. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, someone's going to be there, right? That's, uh, that's how it works. <laughs> Mel, Mel gets to sit in the Kuiper compound. I'm, I actually have my bags packed waiting downstairs. The second this is over, i got to flight into Atlanta, Atlanta over to Mobile, and I'm fired up to be there. But, again, congratulations. Firstborn, new baby girl. We, uh, we, we certainly gave you a pass last week, but great to have you back and so glad that, that mom and, and your little girl are, are doing well. But, you know, this is a huge week. It's, it's really exciting. It's the first time that we're going to get measurements, actual measurements. I mean, how, is someone listed at 6'5", really 6'3 and a half? You know, what's the arm length on some of the, especially the corners and receivers, the hand span on some of the quarterbacks? I know everyone gets sick and tired of us talking about hand span this time of year, but Kenny Pickett, it, 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 there's no quarterback that you can go back and trace, and I've done the study that's been under nine inches in terms of his hand span, which is measured from pinky to thumb, uh, that's been under nine inches that's had sustained success in the NFL as a starter. I mean, there's really no one you can point to. So there are a lot of people who think he might be in that, that nine, you know, nine inch range from pinky to, to thumb in, in his hand span. But we'll, we'll get that taken care of on, you know, today. On Monday, they're doing the, the measurables. We'll get that done. And then we'll get to the practice field and find out a lot more about these players and the defensive line group especially. I think is outstanding going up against a really good offensive line group. I think there could be eight or nine defensive linemen in the first two rounds and probably five or six offensive linemen in the first two rounds. Those one-on-one -on -one drills are always fun to watch, but this year especially, it's probably the most talented group we've seen up front, at least in my 23 years of covering the Senior Bowl. 
We're going to do a deep dive on the Senior Bowl in just a moment. We'll start with those quarterbacks that Todd and Mel alluded to. Uh, but just a reminder that every week we are live 2 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. You can catch us on Twitter. You can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on Facebook, the ESPN app, wherever you decide to watch your first drafts experience on Monday. We also have an audio-only podcast that comes out on Thursdays. Mel and Todd, obviously a part of that, plus some guests that we get into the mix as well. But let's dive into those Senior Bowl quarterbacks and the order in which we're going to discuss them is the order in which these players came off the board in Mel's most recent mock draft. And Mel, you have been consistent with a quarterback at the top of your board since I believe October, and that is Pitt's Kenny Pickett. What do you make of what he has to prove this week in Mobile? Yeah, I think Kenny, obviously a great year. Phenomenal year for Mark Whipple uh, down there, who was a coordinator and the quarterback coach. Now he's at Nebraska. But really, the ankle injury he sustained last year, moving through the end of the season, really impacted him negatively. He really couldn't plant and throw accurately and with the kind of velocity he wanted. Didn't have the running skills and the maneuverability and the overall mobility that he needed to extend plays. Not a running threat, but he can extend and he can keep the chains moving with his legs. But the poise, the confidence he showed this year, knowing he was 100%. Having Jordan Addison really step up as a go-to number one receiver in that offense really helped him as well. But throwing off platform, throwing guys bearing down right in his face and throwing accurately really impressed me. The toughness that he showed uh, and the leadership he showed as the season went along. I think to see a kid to be healthy and know that, hey, I can do what I need to do. I understand Mark Whipple's offense. Mark Whipple is a great coordinator, great quarterback coach, done wonders in the NFL and in collegiate ranks with quarterbacks. And the job he did developing Kenny Pickett this year, I mean, he goes from a guy that probably would have been, what, a, a day three guy had he come out last year to a guy that's solidly now in that first-round discussion. Todd mentioned the hand size, the hand span. I don't think Michael Vicks was tied at nine. I think he was below nine. But we can go back. Tony Romo had success in the NFL. Obviously, Michael Vick was active a quarterback. So there have been quarterbacks in that vicinity. I've talked to people in the league, and they don't seem that concerned about it. Maybe some do, but the ones I talked to didn't. But that will be much discussed. Uh, as will he be 24-year-old rookie coming in, as will he have with 50 starts under his belt. So there's going to be a lot to, to really weigh in the evaluation process with Kenny Pickett. I think he could be a Derek Carr type. Some think more of an Andy Dalton. Some think a Colt McCoy. Everybody's kind of all over the place there. But if you want to be positive on the evaluation and you like Kenny Pickett, I think Derek Carr would be the good comp. And Mel, moving right from Kenny Pickett to Sam Howell from North Carolina, who declared after he still had one more year of eligibility, but is out of the leave school early. He is senior bowl eligible and has a big week ahead because it wasn't his best season this year at UNC. Yeah, and he wasn't the second quarterback in my, in my mock. Uh, he was the quarterback at the end of the first round. But for Sam Howell, uh, he was a guy early on in the evaluation process back in August. You probably would have had a first-round grade, maybe even a high first-round grade on him based on what he did in, in 2020 when he had Daz Newsom and he had a guy like uh, Deami Brown. He had two backs like Michael Carter and also Javante Williams. And then this year, you take the four you know, skill position players away from him, sure his numbers did come down. His completion percentage came down, touchdown all that. You saw some inconsistencies but Sam Howe's a battler. Uh, he's been in that offense for a while. He's got a ton of experience for Mac Brown. Here's a kid who I think drew comparisons to Baker Mayfield. Now this year, obviously mm. that changed a bit, but if you want to comp, it still probably would be Baker Todd. That it would be a guy you would comp Sam Howe to if we have to come up with those type of things as we move through the process here. Yeah, I don't think it's a terrible comp when you look at it. I think, you know, obviously you can pick apart different aspects of everyone's game, but he's a shorter quarterback. 
who's built strong in the lower body. He's got mobility. He has a big arm. I think Howell's arm is, is as good, maybe, maybe a little bit better uh, than Baker Mayfield's. I think what, what Howell does best, in my opinion, is throw the deep ball. He has the best deep ball trajectory and accuracy of the group. He's also mobile. Now, is that mobility going to translate? Because he had a lot of design runs and RPO runs in college. Is, I don't think he's the fastest or most sudden athlete of these quarterbacks, but he is a really tough, instinctive, uh, he's got a good field vision as, as a runner. He can do a lot of that in terms of buying extra time and can pick up some first downs, but I don't think his running game prowess at North Carolina is going to translate to the NFL as well. So he's going to be interesting, and he's the guy I think is going to start to creep up the board as everyone gets to talk to him, interview him, put him on the board, understand his, his leadership, his toughness, but also his football intelligence. I'm told that he's a guy that will rise and, you know, from this point on as we talk about late April for the draft. Two other guys I'm excited to see. We'll start with Malik Willis from Liberty. I mean, you talked about Pickett. You talked about Howell. Those are both, I think, probable first-round picks, certainly Pickett. I think Willis, and I, I went back this weekend, especially after your Kuiper 1.0 throwing Willis in there. I had Willis in October as the number one quarterback because Pickett played so well this year. Then I went back and studied the tape at, at Liberty. And you have to watch the whole catalog. You got to go back to 2020 for starters. He beat Syracuse, won at Virginia Tech, beat Coastal Carolina in the bowl game. Then this year, he almost beat Syracuse again. Yes, they were overmatched against Ole Miss, but I'm excited in this, in this senior bowl setting. You know, I, I, everyone says, well, can he step up to the level of talent? Forget that. Are you kidding me? How about give me some talent that matches what I'm going up against? And that's why I think he's going to excel here. He's the most dynamic athlete of all the quarterbacks in this class. Malik Willis has the strongest arm of all the quarterbacks in this class. The ball absolutely explodes off his hand. Now, there's some work he has to do inside the pocket. He holds on to the ball too long at times. He can be a little bit more consistent with his accuracy over the middle. There's not as big of a catalog for him throwing the ball over the middle anticipation throws as he does on the outside, where I think he has very good accuracy. But I think he's going to really excel with that speed, mobility, and the big-time arm that he has. I think he's going to have a huge week at the Senior Bowl. Another guy, and this is your guy, Kuiper, that I'm interested to see at the Senior Bowl is Desmond Ritter. I mean, you're talking about a four-year starter uh, at Cincinnati, a proven winner. I mean, you can talk about the run game and the defense and the talent around him and the level of competition. I get it. But this guy, all he did was win football games for Cincinnati. And you look at him, he's tall, he's lean, but he's got room on his frame to grow. He's mobile, as you can see in this clip here. He's a guy who, who can extend plays with the, his feet. He can pick up first downs with his mobility. He has a big arm. It's not as big as, as Malik Willis's, but he can make all the NFL throws and doesn't struggle with any specific throw. The interesting part with him is he's, he's pretty accurate when you watch all three levels throwing the football for most of the time. But then there are times where he just inexplicably, it's not necessarily his footwork. It's just he, he tends to miss here and there. And you wonder, like, why did he miss inside the strike zone on this throw? And then why did he completely miss a wide open target on another throw? So he's interesting. And he's a, to me, he's a difficult evaluation because you like 80% of his game. But there's some inconsistency with his decision making and inconsistency with his, his ball placement at times that makes you wonder, after a four-year starter, is he ever going to improve in that range? And if he does, he's got a chance to be a good starter at the next level. Yeah, I think you're right, Todd, on, on Ritter. He's the, he's the polarizing figure of the quarterbacks because he does flash 
to be a successful starting quarterback. You see evidence that he certainly could become that type of quarterback. I thought he had a really good year, and I really thought he could be QB1 in that Alabama game. I don't want to overreact to one game, but you almost have to when you're in this situation of evaluating other players against Desmond Ritter. I expected a little more. I thought he would compete and would not be overwhelmed and, and would make some throws that should indicate, hey, I, I know the offensive line was was up against it. We know that. We had receivers out after Alex Pierce. They, they could handle. That secondary, you thought he could exploit well. Maybe he couldn't. Pierce was open. He missed him early on. But I think Desmond Ritter is the most intriguing guy. You see a little Daniel Jones in him with the ability to run, which was underrated with Jones. The ability with Ritter, same thing as you said. Arm strength, a smooth delivery. He has all that. Uh, he's a great kid. Uh, he's going to work at it. He's the first one in the building, last one out. We get all that. So I think a little Daniel Jones in Desmond Ritter. Malik Willis is an interesting guy because he's so thick and he's so powerful and he's so fast and he's, he's really deceptive in both regards. And you said it's not 2020, he was lights out and he got off to a good start. And for whatever reason, the interception started to mount. When you said, oh, he's going to be, I said, you're crazy. There's no way. I'm watching him throw picks against Middle Tennessee State, watching him throw picks against Louisiana Monroe, not just one, but three in each game. Then the Ole Miss game, you knew he'd be overwhelmed because the talent Ole Miss so much better than Liberty, and he was. But he did, I think, compete. That's the word with him. He competed for four quarters, and he impressed some of those Ole Miss defensive players. Good, good uh, friend of the family of, of Chance Campbell. Chance I've known forever. And his father, Rick, and his brother, Trace. Great family, right? Chance is a baller. He loves football. He was at Maryland. He was at Calvert Hall with me. He goes to Maryland, leads him in tackles at Ole Miss. After that game, led Ole Miss in tackles. He said he was really impressed with Malik Willis. He went up to him right after the game and, and really congratulated him. Hey, you, you, were, you fought hard. Uh, we, we really respect the kind of player you are. So I think for Malik uh, and I think for Desmond, very important week for them because I think for them they need to kind of reestablish for Desmond Ritter after the Alabama game. And for Malik to just say, hey, make good decisions, be accurate, and I think the talent will impress people down there. Malik Willis' talent and ability will be impressive when people see him uh, on ground level down there in Mobile. And then Carson Strong to finish it out at Nevada. It's a big week for level competition. The, de the defenses. Uh, a guy can spin it, Todd. Give him time to throw, Todd, and Carson Strong can pick you apart. Yeah, but that's a big that's a big if with Carson Strong, right? I mean, I just watched tape this past this past week. I watched all the quarterbacks. I wanted to get ready, for, especially for the Senior Bowl, and I went back to back to back on all these guys. He's the least mobile of all these quarterbacks. It starts with Willis in terms of mobility and extending plays, and it kind of trickles down with Matt Corral and and Sam Howell, and they're all functional in that regard. Pickett is probably the least of the first-rounders that we're talking about. But then I put on the tape with Strong, and it was concerning, man. It really was. I just, you know, I, I know he was coming off the injury in the, in the offseason, and I know he wasn't 100%, but his inability to extend plays when pressure was coming was really concerning. He's certainly not. He's the furthest thing from a, a, a running threat. But you love it. He's got a good arm. I wouldn't say elite, but a very strong arm. And he, he has some great drop-in-the-bucket type throws down the field, two defenders on a receiver, and he has perfect placement when that ball comes down. So there's a lot to like about Strong, and I'll be interested to see, you know, how his, his foot quickness is doing. Is he improving in that area? And how he holds up at the senior bowl against very good pass rushers, as I mentioned earlier on. Uh, Bailey Zappi's the last guy. We haven't talked about him. Western Kentucky. You've got, you got Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis vying to be the first quarterback off the board. Desmond Ritter could be a first-rounder. Sam Howell could be a first-rounder. Carson Strong, I think, is solidly in that second-round range. I'm not as high on Bailey Zappi 
as everyone else seems to be. I like him as a maybe a, a good backup quarterback in the NFL, but he has to be in the right system. He's he's coming from you know their own version of air raid. He was at uh, Houston Baptist, transferred to Western Kentucky, put up monster numbers. He's got some mobility. He's he's undersized. He's really good in that short to intermediate range when he can get the ball out quickly in rhythm. The first read gives him the answer to the test, and he gets the ball out. But then you ask him to maneuver around and kind of keep his eyes down the field and go to his second, third read. I think things start to tail off there. And I think he, of the, the six quarterbacks we're going to see at the Senior Bowl, is the most arm strength deficient, let's put it that way, of, of this group. And, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Can he make those deep out throws from, from one hash to the, other, to the other side of the field, the other numbers? Can he drive the ball you know, when it's raining? It might be raining on Thursday. That's in the forecast. I want to see him throw the ball in the rain. Can he drive it down the field uh, into the wind a little bit and, and get the ball down vertically on the right trajectory? So that's going to be a big key for him, showing his arm strength in this game. Because in my opinion, you look at him in somewhere in that fourth, fifth round range, and I know other people are a lot higher on him. I've heard even second, third round. Uh, but if you're going to be a second, third rounder, you've got to, you're coming in as a backup immediately and maybe develop into a starter. I just don't see that from, from Zappi, even though he had a phenomenal senior season at, at Western Kentucky. As always, plenty of eyes on the quarterbacks this week. Worth noting that in recent years, the Senior Bowl has really been a platform for quarterbacks to cement their status, from Carson Wentz to Daniel Jones and Justin Herbert to Mac Jones last year. Those guys really found their way moving up draft boards after a strong week down in Mobile. We're going to dive into a few more players that are going to have our attention going into the week at the Senior Bowl. But first, a word from our friends at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work, but you know it's easy. Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right, so we're back, and we're going to get into some players that we want to keep our eyes on this week for one reason or another. We'll start with you, Mel. You already gave us one local reference with Calvert Hall a little while ago, a player who grew up in the Maryland area. Epikete from Penn State is also on your radar. Very much so, Field. Armour Ebikete is not a Kuiper stunt like McShay will tell you he is, and he mentioned, referenced that last <laughs> week. Uh, he's a real good player. He's a pass rusher supreme. He flies off the edge, plays with an edge as well, consistent from game one all the way through the season, almost just recorded double-digit sacks. I love this kid. He can play up, play down. He gets after it. Boy, he's got more than just one move getting after the quarterback. He's got a variety already. Arnold Ebiquette, I really believe by the time we get to late April, will be in the middle of the first. That's why I put him there when maybe people don't. There is something called foresight that we do need in terms of evaluation, but yeah, a little ahead of the curve. And I think in, in Arnold Ebiquette's case, I think that is a projection right now, but it's what I expect to see happen as we move forward. Now, obviously, the combine, pro day going to be very important for, for Ebiquette, but the, the tape doesn't lie when you watch Arnold Ebiquette at Temple in 2020 and at Penn State in 2021. 
getting after the quarterback, finishing games as the Rams did against the 49ers yesterday with pass rush is critical. Ebiketti would be one of those rotation guys off the edge that's going to help the team in the first round. You're a beauty, Kuiper. You really are. I mean, I, back in October, I was yelling about Ebiketti and how he's the most underrated pass rusher in this class. Moved him up to the second round, and that wasn't good enough for you. You, you know, you got to stake your claim so it doesn't turn into one of my guys that I'm pounding the table for. So, you know, you can have him. Listen, I, I love Ebiquete. I, I found him in October in terms of a player that I thought was much better than what all the scouts were saying coming into the season. But now you want to put him at 17 or wherever you put him in your mock draft. It's, it's all you, bud. It's all you. <laughs> Well, one more for you then, Mel. If, you, if, if Arnold Ebiquete is your guy right now, uh, I take that back. Uh, we've got a little bit of a tech issue here with, uh, with Todd, but with Mel, I should say. But, Todd, I'm going to mention a player that had, or has my attention going into this week, and it happens to be another Penn State player. It's wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who's a four-year player at Penn State, productive really from start to finish, especially this last year at Penn State, a more normal circumstance for him. And we've seen Penn State produce – you know, highly regarded wide receivers in recent drafts. Uh, I don't know that he's as fast as somebody like K.J. Hamler or as dynamic as somebody like him, but one thing I think has been interesting in recent drafts is that I know Jamar Chase was the top-drafted wide receiver last year, and he made the impact you hope for a number five overall pick. We've also seen that in recent drafts, though, sometimes it's the fit, right? The guys that maybe don't necessarily go highest but go to the best landing spot. And I'm not sure that Jahan Dotson will be – the second, third, fourth wide receiver off the board. There are some really good players ahead of him, but I think in the right spot, he could be an effective player, especially if he goes closer to the end of the first round where you would presume he's playing with a better quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree with you. First of all, I, I was worried about Kuiper because that, that would have been the first time in our, I don't know, 15-year history that he didn't fight back with me. So obviously <laughs> he's frozen a little bit. It's good, it's good to know it was technical and that he's not shying away all of a sudden. But with Dotson, he, he's no, an never. interesting watch. I really like this guy. I, I love his body control, and I think that's so important as a receiver. We always talk about the speed and the length, and I get it. He's only 5'11", 185 pounds. I think he's going to run in the 4'4s. He has enough, plenty of speed. But what I love about him is everything you watch him, he's like a great point guard in the NBA. He's completely under control, even though he's so quick and in and out of his breaks. When the ball's coming to him, the way he's able to adjust and contort his body, you see the stats there. 91 catches this past year and for an undersized guy you worry well is he going to be a, a red zone weapon can he can he get in the end zone he had 12 uh, receiving touchdowns so i think dotson in a loaded wide receiver group and we've talked about the ohio state receivers uh, garrett wilson chris olave uh, you got uh, uh, drake london coming out of usc who's going to be a great player could be the first receiver off the board jameson williams that is the injury uh, in the, the national championship game, I still think he's a first-rounder because he's got the explosive speed coming out of Alabama. But Dotson, to me, is like right there after those, those first four guys. And I, I would take him as the fifth receiver, and I think he belongs somewhere in that late first-round range. And there are a bunch of other guys, too, Phil. I mean, I just looked down this list. Devontae Wyatt for Georgia, defensive tackle. Mm. We talked about Jordan Davis all season long. He's 340 pounds. He's big. He's, he's he moves well for his size, and he was getting more pass rush pressure. But Devontae Wyatt is, was probably the most consistent performer on that defensive front, and he's a little bit more of kind of that three technique. He can get off a box. He can penetrate up the field. He's uh, When you look at his size, he's 6'3", 315 pounds, so pretty close to prototypical size. 39 tackles on the season, really good and active versus the run. Only had two and a half sacks. 
But when you watch Georgia over and over again, you see he's kind of the guy that's always wreaking havoc and havoc and pushing quarterbacks off of their spot. So the production's there, the size and, and agility's there. He forced a couple fumbles this past year as well. So Devontae Wyatt of a great defensive line group may be the best in this year's class at the Senior Bowl this season. Trey McBride's another player from Colorado State that I'm thrilled that he's going to compete in this because I believe he's far and away the best tight end in this class. If there is a tight end that's going to go in the first round, it's Trey McBride. And for him to say, you know what, I know I could be the first tight end off the board. I had a monster year. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was the number one tight end in, in terms of all of college football, but I'm still going still to go down and compete. And I want to see if he puts up the numbers and the production has the week that we expect from the number one tight end. My Jay Sanders, an edge defender from Cincinnati, is another guy who is probably going to be in that early second round range. And his sack production was kind of head scratching this past year. If you just look at the statistics, because he only had two and a half sacks after having seven sacks in, uh, in 2020 in a shorter season with 10, 10 games played. This year, 14 games played, only two and a half sacks. But just to, do me a favor. If you want to know about one player in one game, Turn on the Alabama game. I know Cincinnati lost in that semifinal in the Cotton Bowl, but he had 10 pressures field, 10 pressures out of 27 pass rush snaps in that game. He was such a big force in terms of Cincinnati, what they were trying to do with the pass rush. It didn't matter in the end result, but you got to see a lot of tape against a, you know, against a pretty good offensive line. Evan Neal, obviously, a heck of a lot better than Chris Owens, who's going to kick inside from right tackle to center in the NFL. Uh, but my Jay Sanders had a really good game in that, against Alabama in the semifinal, and I'm excited to see him against some really good offensive line, linemen. We've talked about uh, Trevor Penning uh, from Northern Iowa. We've got a bunch of good first, second-round offensive linemen. So he's going he's gonna to be tested, but with that athleticism and the length that he has, I think he's going to have a big week. It's on pass rushers. It's what everybody wants. And you're right about Sanders. I think the, the numbers don't speak to how disruptive he was. But uh, Dominic Robinson's an interesting kid at Miami of Ohio. I watched him this morning against Buffalo and Bowling Green, Todd. He's impressive. Former wide receiver, only a couple years at defensive end. You think, well, he's a speed edge guy. You know, he won't play the run well. Wrong. Yeah, he will play the run really well. Uh, he's got powerful hands. I like Do I'll tell you what. I like Dominic Robinson. When you go and dig deep into Dominic Robinson and you watch tape on him, go to the Bowling Green game and go to the Buffalo game, and you will like this kid. Inexperienced, but he doesn't play inexperienced. He plays like a veteran who's been out there at that spot for a long time. I tell you what, he does well in those ones you mentioned that you referenced how the one-on-one -on -one drills. Dominic Robinson, Miami of Ohio, yeah. will be a really good player to watch. And I like a kid from Washita Baptist, a cornerback, Gregory Jr. You'll see him down there. I went to the Southeastern Oklahoma game. He's impressed. He's an off. He's a willing tackler. He's alert. He's got a presence. He's instinctive. I think that's a corner you want to see against elite receivers, and this will be the first opportunity to see Gregory Jr. from Washita Baptist down in Mobile. I'm just glad really you said Washita. See, we need like a pronunciation guide for the pre-draft process, Todd. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can go to bed. We're going to come back and dive into a few more. Yeah, that, that's one of the, the, many, the many hats that Mel Kuyper Jr. wears here at ESPN. We're going to come back and dive into a few more Senior Bowl prospects in just a moment. But before we do that, if you're liking this podcast, 
Hopefully you're also listening to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. It's a podcast that brings you the latest news and trends in and around the NFL. Join the great Mina Kimes and guests such as NFL analyst Dominique Foxworth, myself on occasion, Mike Golick Jr. And if you like X's and O's, analytics, and probably too much dog talk, Lenny is a dog, of course, then give the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny a listen wherever get your podcasts. All right, we are back here with a couple more prospects from the Senior Bowl that we have our eyes on. And Mel, I'm going to turn to you for a couple of offensive tackles that are on your radar this week. Yeah, Trevor Penning from, from Northern Iowa is a kid who's on everybody's radar. You know, Spencer Brown came out of there, goes to the Buffalo Bills. And he's playing right tackle. So why is he at right tackle? Why isn't he at left tackle? He's not at left tackle. Trevor Penning was there. And Trevor Penning is a kid. You want a kid who will maul you. I mean, he is a really aggressive football player. He's got some really good take. He finishes. He's aggressive. Plays like a defensive lineman playing offensive tackle. That left tackle spot keeps that frame between the defensive end and the quarterback. Mirrors very well. That he will overextend at times. He will get called for some penalties. There were some times this year he was beaten, I thought, you know, uncharacteristically. But when he's on and he is focused and 100%, he is a player that is fun and entertaining to watch because he really, Todd, gets after you. And I was really impressed with him. Now, he wasn't as – I thought he could end up in a top 10, top 15 – Maybe that's a little rich right now because there were some inconsistencies to his game this year. But I got him 21 on the big board. Uh, I think he could be a right tackle, left tackle. He's a guy that I think has a heck of a lot of ability coming into the NFL. I'd be shocked if he didn't go as late, no later than the late first round. And maybe if he does well between now and late April, maybe he moves back up into the middle of round one. Yeah, and, and, and Bernard Raymond – Another guy who's kind of a small school that you don't see during the season, you don't hear his name, like an Evan Neal from Alabama. But Raymond's coming in, and I, I think he's got a chance to be a late first, early second round pick. Like, Penning's probably going to be more in that mid-first round range. I think Raymond's kind of just after him. Very different background. You know, he was a, an exchange student. I think he came in from Germany uh, late to the game in terms of playing football. But he's tall, he's long, he's a former tight end. He started out a tight end, and he kept getting bigger and bigger and stronger in the upper body, and he can move. So I'm excited to see, to see Raymond from Central Michigan. And then kind of flipping over to the other side of the ball, some other guys that don't have household names nationally if you're a college football fan. But Chad Muma, the linebacker from Wyoming, the more tape I watch of this guy, the more I love him. I just love the way he handles his business. I love his intensity from snap to snap. He's like a, a dog with a bone. Like good, good luck taking that bone out of a dog's mouth. That's the way he is every snap. Like He just gives you everything he has, and he's vicious. He plays with speed. He plays with fast eyes. He's a great tackler. He had 142 tackles this past year, and I know those numbers can be overrated, but he had 52 more tackles than the next highest tackler at Wyoming. I mean, he was the guy on the defense. He's the alpha dog. He's all over the field. And, and, I, and you talk to some other guys that have gone on to the league, and, and I think you were the one who told us about it, Kuiper, that it said that they knew as a true freshman that this guy was going to be a star because of his work ethic. And he came in right away and was like a pro's pro. So, and you see it on the tape with him over and over again, the way he approaches the game. And then one final player that I'm excited to see, I think the most underrated safety in the class and we've talked about some, some other safeties in the, the first draft podcast. But I just love Jalen Petrie. The, the, uh, the more I watch of him coming out of Baylor, the more I like him. Because he's, he's what the NFL wants now. He's got speed. 
and he can play everywhere. I mean, he can play some corner. He plays a lot in the slot as kind of that overhang when teams spread them out. He can play a single high safety. He's got good ball skills, very good range, outstanding range and coverage. But then he also he'll blitz off the edge and get after the quarterback, and he'll make some, a lot of plays with his instincts and his closing burst uh, just because he, he knows the snap, snap count. He anticipates it. He explodes off the edge, and he'll just go cut a guy out when he's basically getting the handoff. And, and get a two-yard loss. So this guy does a little bit of everything. And I know, you know, there's some other really good safeties in this class at the top. It's not a deep class. But Petrie, to me, if he's not the number two safety, he should be the number three safety. And I'll be shocked if we get past the top 50 picks in this draft if he's not one, one of the guys who hears his name call and he's off the board. Yeah, Todd, to go back to what you said about Chad Muma from Wyoming, uh, Cowboys, uh, Logan Wilson came out of that program not that long ago and went to the Cincinnati Bengals, what, with the third round area. And now he's in a Super Bowl. He's helped that uh, Bengals defense, and he's obviously a guy going to be playing against the Rams. And I think Chad Muma will be helped by that. And I think some people like him as much as they did Logan Wilson. Another kid I watched on tape this morning out of LSU, and I, I watched him during the year, and he was, he, he was popping. And when you study him, Neil Farrell Jr., Todd, watch this kid. He's mm-hmm. got a spin move. He gets after it along the interior. I got back to the Ole Miss game and the Alabama game, and I was really impressed with what I saw of Neil Farrell Jr. Defensive tackles, you have to get past that top four or five. It might be wise to pop him in there because this kid, I think, in that late day two area uh, might be an intriguing guy. Maybe that's a little rich right now, but I think late day two, which will be the third round, maybe the fourth round is where Neil Farrell Jr. may come off the board. Really like what I saw of him against Duke, really, obviously Alabama, heck of a football team, and Ole Miss as well. So he, uh, he didn't just pop. This kid was solid, consistent, and I'll tell you, I love the way he gets after the quarterback, and he, he's really disruptive along that interior. All right, so one more name that I want to throw into the bucket here is James Cook, and I suppose I'm grabbing a little bit of low-hanging fruit here because if the last name sounds familiar, it's because his older brother Dalvin is the star running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, James, a little bit less heralded as a prospect than Dalvin was coming out of Florida State, but he had an excellent season at Georgia this past year, helping them win a national championship. Mel, I I find that there is some good value with these running backs in the middle rounds, and perhaps James Cook can provide some of that. Yeah, he's the, Zamir White was the guy that was the main running back, and here's James Cook, you know, gradually becoming more of a factor, and I remember even two years ago, when Nick Saban in the first half of that game, yeah, he was beating them from a wide receiver position. They, they, they couldn't adjust, they couldn't match up, and said, hey, we got to make sure we make some adjustments in, at halftime to account for James Cook and the versatility to put him in, the, you know, he can be in a slot, he can be wide as a receiver, he can catch the ball out of the backfield so well and give you that dimension that a lot of backs can't and he is explosive and you think about the bloodlines with Dalvin and you think about the way he performed in that complementary role with the versatility he provides Todd I don't see him getting out of the third round I, I think he's far too exciting valuable a difference maker with the way he can catch the ball and the way he can get in that open field and nobody's going to catch him he's a home run hitter I, I like this kid as a third round dynamo and I think that's about where he's going to come off the board yeah, I've got a 74 grade on him, Mel, and that's, that's that, to me, in my grading scale, that's a, like right in the middle of the third round. And I, I think he's somewhere, you know, after the first three backs, I think either fourth or fifth, you can kind of split hairs. But Cook, listen, you're drafting a guy who's probably never going to be your, your workhorse, if you will. But in today's NFL, you don't need that guy. You need someone who can, you can give seven, eight, nine carries to, but then get three, four, five receptions 
And he at the end of the game, we saw it even in the, the playoffs. Like it, it may just be one catch or one run for 60-something yards, but, but that's the, the play that can change a game. And that's what he brings. So I love him as a change of pace back, the shiftiness, the elusiveness that you talked about, and then like put him in the slot. You don't have to just throw screens to him and, and dump offs and outlet throws. Get him in the slot and let him work one-on-one against a, a number three corner or a safety when he's got some mismatches. So I think that his, his versatility and his big playability land him a spot in the third round. And again, he may never be your number one in the NFL, but he's going to be a part of the offense and an impact type of player every time he touches the football. As you can see right there, Mel has him as his fifth-ranked running back amongst draft-eligible players in this year's class. We're going to wrap things up here with the spotlight, which is our chance to look a little bit closer at one player and a couple of guys that have you guys have on your mind. And, Todd, I'm going to start with you. Uh, actually, I'm going to go to you for the entirety of the segment here. You've got a tight end and a wide receiver, both from the Pac-12. Yeah, Kuiper, get your pen and paper out, all right? These are the next guys that you're going to epiketty me with and, and, and wind up throwing in the, you know, two, two rounds too high. That's fine. Greg Dulcich, the tight end from UCLA. I really like this guy's tape. This year's class of tight ends, there's no elite guy outside of Trey McBride. We're not going to see two or three guys in the first round. But there's a whole bunch of guys in that second to fourth round range. And I think Dulcich, when you look at him, He's got to improve as a blocker. There's no question about it. But as your F tight end, your move tight end, he brings a lot to the table. He is a really good red zone weapon, as you can see in some of these clips. Does an outstanding job of catching the ball away from his frame. He's 6'4", 250, long arm, big mitts, soft hands. And what I like about him, and it's so hard to find, and I look forward to this at every tight end I evaluate, the run-after-catch ability, and Dulcich brings that to the table. I've, I've got a 67 grade, which is equivalent to early fourth round, and I think he could be, you know, who knows, six, seven, eight tight end off the board, but I think he's going to come in the league, and he may not be your every-down starter because the blocking's not there, but as a number two, he's going to be a weapon right away. And then the other player that I'm going to look at is another difference maker, not only on offense, but in the return game, and that's Britton Covey from, from Utah. 17 years. He had that two-year LDS mission, and, and he came back and was the same player that he was before he left, even better. He's a slot receiver, and he's pint size. I get it. 5'8", 170 pounds is what he's listed at. We'll, we'll wind up getting a, you know official numbers on that. But he's got quickness, and he's got speed. I think he's quicker than he is fast, but he's going to be somewhere in that 4'4 range. And after the catch, he's really good. He's really good at getting separation as a, a slot receiver. But this is what I love the most. How many guys can, can string together three, four cuts like that against Ohio State on that 97-yard kickoff return? And he did it five times in the return game for touchdowns over his career. He averaged over 33 yards per kickoff return. He was a, a, a headache in the punt return game as well. So everyone's talking about Covey. Well, he's, he's older. I think he's going to be like 25 or 26 as a rookie. He's undersized. But why not take a flyer on this guy in the fifth, sixth round, get out ahead of the game a little bit. I could see him coming into the league making an impact as a number four, number five receiver right away in that slot, but then also immediately as a return specialist. McShay, you are a piece of work, pal. I'm telling you. You are a piece of work. I love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Get my pen and paper around. I'm getting excited about my pen and paper for a guy I've maybe had him way low, maybe didn't know anything about. And you give me a guy that on January 21st I had as my fourth highest rated tight end up on ESPN.com and Greg Dulcich, okay? So you're telling everybody I'm doing what you're actually doing, which is checking out my big board and my top 10 positional rankings, finding <laughs> Dulcich, a new name, and you're jumping all over and saying I copied you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I say, Todd, I saw Dulcich. I don't remember what game it was this year. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I'll give you a chance. I'm watching Dulcich. I don't remember what game it was. He dropped the ball right in his hands, okay, right in his hands. And it was a rarity. And you can see how shocked he was. Like, what the hell happened? I don't drop passes here. It was a key drop in a game. So I think Dulcich is a kid. He can. Blocking, obviously, is an issue. But catching the football and being a threat after the catch and down the field, yeah, I think he could be a guy. I know Aaron Rodgers would love this kid if he were part of the Packers, like Tanyan, wherever Aaron ends up. He's back with the Packers. Packer fans are praying he will be. But uh, yeah, this kid will play in the NFL. He has a fourth-round grade right now. Uh, Field, I was just so going to end on to this. The senior I, I, thought, I, I, thought the first, I thought the first draft podcast was running a lot smoother when Kuiper's video was frozen and he couldn't talk anymore. I, that was a nice three-minute yeah, stretch. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Phil, Phil, McShay purposely froze me out because I was asking him when he froze me out, <laughs> where, were, where are you ranking Ebiquette? I have an 18th. What number do you have Ebiquette? <laughs> I don't want to check that crap. I'm going to freeze Kuiper out. And you were, you were very effective doing that, Todd. Congratulations, pal. I can totally see Todd from his lair somewhere just pulling a couple of levers to make sure that Mel's internet mysteriously cuts out. It's always a great week to watch the Senior Bowl. This Sunday is the game itself down in Mobile, Alabama. A beautiful site for a great week. Really sort of feels like the pre-draft process becomes more real and real and real. A reminder that First Draft is back on Thursday with an audio-only edition of the show. And then right back here on video next Monday, there will be no technical issues along the way. Todd will allow Mel's uh, internet to work the entire time. But until Thursday, we will talk to you guys then. Peace, Mel. Piper Jr. and Todd McShay, Ian Field Yates. To the rest of your afternoon.